Welcome to the study of the book of Revelation, taught by Michael Fitzgerald, senior pastor of Clifford Baptist Church. These lessons come from a Wednesday night study of the book, so the format is more of a classroom setting. Included in this Revelation series are written study notes which can be accessed with each lesson in the series. We have been through uh, an amazing study for me in the great book of the Revelation, and we have seen through this study together over the 30-plus sessions that we have been together, a vision of the risen Christ in chapter 1, seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, chapters 2 and 3. We have, beginning with chapter 4, walked through the prophecy of the coming great tribulation in which this world is going to endure God pouring out His wrath against sin and sinners, and He's going to bring it all to a close the Great Tribulation is comprised of, of the breaking of the seven seals, of the scroll that God Almighty hands to the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And as each one of those scrolls, uh, rather seals on the scroll is broken, uh, there is a Great Tribulation that is poured out against sin. When the seventh seal is broken, there are seven trumpets of judgment blown. And then with the seventh trumpet, there are seven bowls of God's wrath upon sin and against rebellious sinners. Now, at the end of the great tribulation, where we have now come to this study, as we are seeing a study of the future day of God's tribulation upon this earth, at the end of the tribulation period, this earthly kingdom of the Antichrist is destroyed. You're looking for that word. The Antichrist's kingdom is destroyed. And the Antichrist and his false prophet are the very first ones to be thrown into hell. They even precede Satan himself as residents of hell. If you remember in our study, Satan has not thrown into hell, but he is bound for 1,000 years. And during that 1,000-year period of the binding of Satan, Jesus and his saints reign on the earth during a period that is called the millennium, 1,000 years, the millennium, where Jesus and his saints reign on this earth and Satan is bound away. Now, if you can think with me about that, that means this is an age of perfection. This is an age where Jesus is reigning, Satan is gone, temptation is gone. The remnant of the human population left here brings about, over that thousand years, a huge population explosion. The earth is perfect, and so people are increasing on the face of the earth during that thousand years. Now, at the end of the thousand years, at the end of the millennium, Satan is loosed. You're looking for that word. He is loosed from the pit. And it's amazing to me that even though for 1,000 years Jesus has reigned supreme on the earth, there is still an unsaved population of people on the earth after the 1,000 years of Jesus' reign. Satan stirs up the unsaved on the earth for one final war. However, at the very outset of that war, God intervenes and consumes every last sinner with his wrath. Satan is thrown into hell for all eternity, so hell now has three residents, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan himself. Every lost person then is judged before God, before the great white throne of God. 
And hell is then filled with sinners, with those who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is sealed for all eternity. Satan is gone. Sin is over. Sinners are judged. And hell has been filled. So for the first time, for the very first time since the fall of Adam and Eve, creation breathes a sigh of complete peace and relief. The rebellion against our holy God is eternally now over. So where does that leave us in the book of Revelation? It brings us to chapter 21. From this point forward, we are dealing with the eternal peace and love and joy and home of the born-again, forgiven saints of God. You know, really, when we think about living in this world, we have something truly to look forward to in heaven. In fact, I don't think you and I can even in our human minds conceive what's coming for us. It's going to be so good. There was a story told about a little girl who went to spend a night with her friend. And in the middle of the night, this little girl who was visiting woke up and she was crying and sobbing in the bed. And the mother of the other little girl who lived there came to see the visitor girl. And she said, honey, are you homesick? She said, no, ma'am, I'm here sick. <laughs> you know, we can get here sick when we see all that happens in this world, all the sin, all the degradation, we can look forward to going home. So tonight, we're going to read a great passage of Scripture, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. This is the good stuff. This is what you and I have been waiting to hear. So hear these words, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. I have used this passage many, many times. I imagine every pastor in this room has used this passage many times. John writes this, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God." And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. May God add his blessing to the reading of this precious, precious portion of his word. 
I'm going to read you something that I've picked up over time. Dr. Harry Rimmer was a great, great scientist of the early 20th century. And there was a great preacher in that day. His name was Dr. Charles E. Fuller. And Dr. Rimmer, who was very sick at the time, wrote a letter to the preacher, Dr. Fuller. Dr. Fuller was preaching out of California, and so Dr. Rimmer, wherever he lived, wrote this letter to go to that ministry in California. At the time that Dr. Rimmer wrote this letter, Dr. Fuller was preaching on heaven. Now, Dr. Rimmer, the scientist, had never met Dr. Fuller, the preacher, but he was very sickly, he was dying, and as he wrote this letter, he knew that his time was drawing close to an end. So here's what Dr. Harry Rimmer wrote to the preacher, Charles Fuller. Next Sunday, you're going to preach about heaven. I'm interested in that land, for I have held a clear title to a little piece of property there for over 50 years. I didn't buy it. It was given to me without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation. It is not a vacant lot. For over a half a century, I have been sending materials up to the greatest architect of the universe who has been building a home for me which will never need remodeling because it will never grow old. Termites will not undermine its foundation for it is built on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks will be placed on the doors, for no vicious person can enter the land where my home stands. It almost is completed for me, and I will enter it without fear of being ejected. There is a valley of a deep shadow between this place where I now live and that land to which I will journey in a very short time. I cannot reach that home I have in that city until I pass through that valley. But I am not afraid because the very best friend I ever had passed through that valley long, long ago and drove away its gloom. He has stuck with me through thick and thin since we became acquainted 55 years ago. And I own his promise in printed form never to forsake me or leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadow, and I shall not lose my way when he walks with me. I hope I will be able to hear your sermon next Sunday, but I have no assurance that I will do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, and I have no ticket for baggage. Yes, I am ready to go, and I may not be here when you're talking next Sunday but I will meet you there someday. Dr. Rimmer signed his letter before Dr. Fuller could preach the next Sunday. Dr. Rimmer was home. So tonight I want us to thank God that you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ share that home. We share those words. Do those words ring true for you? When you hear that precious description of looking forward to going home, not knowing the exact moment, knowing that you're going to travel through a valley, but knowing that Jesus has made it all right and there's no reason to fear, that rings true with us. If Jesus lives in your heart, that should ring true for you and for me. 
Well, tonight I want us to look at Revelation's description of our eternal home. I've read chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. But there are six characteristics about heaven that I want us to concentrate on tonight. Here's number one. Heaven, according to Revelation 21, is a place that will never pass away. It is an eternal, permanent home. You know, there's a great old gospel song, I'm Just a Poor Wayfaring Stranger. talks about a man who is just passing through this world. However, we have a home that we're not going to pass through. It is the end, it is the destination, and it is permanent. It will not pass away, but when we get home, we will be there for all eternity. You know, homes built with brick, money that is backed by gold, jobs that are backed by education, fame that is backed by people's applause, all of that, all of that is going to come to an end. Nothing we have on this earth is going to pass to heaven. There are some earthly things which are in heaven. There are only a very few leftovers of this world that we're going to see in heaven. In John chapter 20, verse 27, Jesus in his resurrected body tells Thomas, you can touch my scars. And we see in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, that the lamb appears to be slain. The only leftovers, the only remnants of this old earth that we will see in heaven are the scars that Jesus bore on the old rugged cross. And I can only imagine that throughout eternity, we're going to be able to behold what Jesus did for us, and we will be reminded eternally that it is by his sacrifice and his grace and his glory that we do have that home and that clear title to live in heaven, that we are an inheritor of the home of God, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is and we belong to him. What good news that is. Now, heaven is indeed a real place. It is a real location. A lot of people envision heaven as this ethereal, cloudy place where you float around like a mist and you sit on a cloud and you play a rusty harp and all of that. But according to the Bible, heaven is indeed a defined, real place where we're going to live, and it is a place that will never pass away. Also, I believe that in this eternal home, uh, it is a place that we're going to serve God. We're not going to sit around and simply play a harp all day long, but I believe that God has service for every one of us because the Bible says, my servants will serve me. So somehow, someway, you and I eternally will be able to serve our Lord in that home that never passes away. The second point about heaven, this place called heaven will be absolutely, stunningly, indescribably beautiful. Words cannot do justice to the beauty of heaven. Revelation chapter 21 verse 2 says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, most brides do not spare any expense to be beautiful for their new husband on the wedding day. God himself is not going to spare any expense in preparing that mansion for us that Jesus describes in John chapter 14. The third characteristic of heaven is that it will be a permanent, beautiful place that is filled with rejoicing. Heaven is going to be a place of rejoicing, a place of eternal joy. God is dwelling with us, and every moment of eternity, He is going to assure us that we belong to Him. 
that we are his, that he is glad to have us as his sons and his daughters, and we will rejoice eternally in that expressed love of God for us. You know, over 22 and 25 years, there's one thing that I've wanted to impress on both of my children, and I tried to tell them on a daily basis, and I love you, and I'm proud you're mine. I'm grateful you're mine. If I could choose all from all the children in the world, I would still choose you too. And the good news is, as I, a sinful, earthly, finite father, try to instill that in my children, God is going to instill that perfectly in you and me for all eternity, every moment of every day that we're there. There is no night there. So for all the eternal day of eternity, God is going to tell us, I'm glad you're mine. I wanted you here. I'm glad we share heaven together. It is a place of rejoicing because we know that we're wanted in heaven. Fourth characteristic of heaven, a passage that I have used so many times uh, in funerals, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. Let's reread those. You can't read them enough, I don't think. Where John says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Heaven is a place of complete peace, a place of complete peace and rest. No more tears of separation, no more tears of sorrow. There's not going to be pain there. There will not be mourning M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. There will not be mourning there. There will not be hospital beds there. There will be no ventilators there. There will be no wheelchairs there. There will be no funerals there. There will be no death there. Uh, There is a funny little story that uh, came along over the years, and I I remember it so well. One of the pastors in my life that I know very, very well was preaching a funeral service. He was preaching it at Byron Parr Funeral Home right down the road in Roseland. If you know uh, Elwood Byron, he is a fine man who owns that uh, funeral home. And he's a fine Christian man, loves the Lord, no question about that. And in the funeral service, the preacher said, you know, when we get to heaven, there are not going to be funerals or funeral directors in heaven. And Elwood Byron said, I I take issue with what you just said. There will be funeral directors in heaven. (laughs) If you ever see Elwood, you ask him that question. I love that little story. But God has taken away absolutely every earthly thing that strikes fear in us now. We're not worried about disease. We're not worried about financial ruin. We're not worried about the loss of job or livelihood. They're former, expired, expended, dead things that for all eternity will never threaten us or cloud us or... uh, Take away our joy ever again. Heaven is a place of complete peace and rest. And I guess the other side of that coin is there's no worry there. The fifth characteristic of heaven, it is a place where the love of God through Jesus Christ sustains us forever. Verse 5, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, For these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. Notice that. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. 
Salvation was purchased, but it is done means it's now complete for all eternity. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Jesus says to us, we will never thirst for contentment or for joy ever again. Every need will be satisfied. Every longing will be fulfilled. You never will feel the lack for love in all eternity. You will never feel a lack of love in heaven. Jesus is there, and he is all we need. The sixth, the final point about heaven is this. We will be completely secure. Again, going back to my children, every night when I put them to bed as children, and I don't know why this is, when we lived over in the parsonage in their childhood, we never had one problem whatsoever with anybody who gave us any difficulty, any problem. No strangers came to the door that scared anybody, nothing like that. And yet... In their childhood, every night there was a question that they asked me, and I don't know why, and I, they couldn't tell me why. But every night when I put them down and we had our little devotional time and prayers together, the last word they would say to me before I walked out of the door, are the doors locked? I don't know why that worried them, but every night Carrie and Gabe would ask me, are the doors locked? What does it matter? You haven't had any problem here. But uh, they would ask me that question. I guess it's just a human fear. However, we know in heaven there is complete security. There will be no locks on the doors because there's not going to be anybody who's going to threaten us to have to lock a door. Look at verse 8 again. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Every person of dishonesty, every person who would steal or mislead or hurt or murder is gone. They're not going to be in heaven. There's no reason to lock a door. There's no reason to close a door. There's no reason to be afraid of being hurt ever again. You know, every person who lived contrary to the will of God Every person who lived contrary to Jesus' invitation and rejected Christ's invitation to life, if you remember, the Bible's Word tells us that these people who reject Christ will die the second death, the second death. The first death is the physical death, physically dying in, in the body. The second death is the spiritual death, the death that will be lived eternally in hell. Now, while some people define hell as that place where people go and they, pff, they burn away and they're gone like a mist, is not what the Bible teaches us whatsoever, but rather they will die eternally. The second death is an eternal death. You never reach the end of the death. It goes on forever and ever. There is a saying that says, if you've been born once, you will die twice. If you've been born twice, you will die once. So if you've been born certainly to the physical body, but if you've been born as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not die except for that physical passage from one place to another, and you will live eternally. That fear that sometimes we have is, is absolutely gone. In heaven, we won't have to worry about thievery or injustice or loss again. It is a place of absolute honesty 
because and all who lived and died in sin away from God are eternally separated from the children of the king. I look forward to that place. Do you look forward to that place? I, I think you know if you're under 30, you don't really look forward to that place quite as much as those of us who have passed maybe the half-century mark. But every day now, I can see that I'm looking forward more and more to that place. The older I get, here's the last statement on your sheet there, the more I know heaven is real. It is real. I realize that heaven is real when my mother and father got closer to it day by day. And I remember those days very well. And I was with both of them as they passed away. And I saw my mom and my dad both make that passage from life here on earth to life in heaven as I was with both of them. I thank God for the hope and the joy of knowing that I will see them again. And I will see so, so many people from this congregation and from my life's connections, so many that I've loved and lost over the years. We have so much brothers and sisters, to look forward to. And we're grateful to know that the book of Revelation teaches us that heaven is a great place. And every day we know that uh, God is going to fulfill that promise when the time is exactly right for you and for me. There is a day, there is a moment for us to go home. And God knows that moment. Now, as we have that assurance and that thanksgiving tonight, if there's one person here who's never come to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. While all the joys of heaven are described in the Bible, if you have not come to Jesus as your Savior, these promises are not yours yet. But they can be yours in a split second simply by saying, yes, Lord Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me, that my passage to that home in heaven was purchased at great sacrifice on the old rugged cross, and it is a free gift to me. All I need to do is reach out and receive what you died to give me. For you gave yourself to the old rugged cross that I might be forgiven, that I might be a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, and that I might go home one day to live with you forever. Tonight, if you've never received him as your Savior, this is your moment that you can say yes to him.